0: Welcome to the Attractions Group podcast. I'm Don Helbig alongside Ryan, sir. And before we introduce our special guest for this episode, Ryan, an iconic attraction at Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom gave its last rides this weekend. Splash Mountain, your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, I'm sad to see any attraction go. Um, You know, obviously, Disney World, Disneyland, all the Disney stuff is never going to be finished. So... You can't fall in love with any attraction because it'll have its day and it'll be replaced with something bigger and better. Uh, say that it's something so iconic, but, you know, life goes on. I didn't wait the four hours for it. Did you?
0: No, no, I did not wait uh, up
1: to four hours for it. But, uh, you yeah, know, it was always one of my favorite rides when I would be at the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Now, you can't ride Splash Mountain at Walt Disney World anymore. But what you can do is you can follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore grp. <coughs> You can also, uh, if you're listening to us, you can search for us on YouTube and see the video version. We're really good-looking people, so you'd probably really enjoy that. Um, make sure that you subscribe on YouTube because we're going to start going live and doing fun things like giveaways and so on. And if you're watching on YouTube, please uh, follow us on your favorite podcast app if you prefer the, the audio version. So, Don, what do we got going on today? Well, Ryan, the Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters a company which was first
0: established in 1904. It's one of the oldest active roller coaster manufacturers in the world and has played a critical role in the evolution of roller coasters over the years. It's been around for nearly 120 years of business. Hundreds of wooden roller coasters that it's built, including Dorney Park's Thunderhawk, Knoebels Phoenix, Hershey Park's Comet, the Yankee Cannonball at Kenobo Lake, or Kenobi Lake, and the Wildcat at Lake Compounds. Uh Tom Rebbe, he joined the company in 1977 and he now owns and runs the company with his daughter Janine. And we're excited to welcome them to the Attractions Group podcast. So how's the winter months treating you so far?
1: How are you guys doing? How's All the right? winter how's the winter treating you?
2: <laughs> it's it's just weird. It's you know, it's right now, I think it's raining. And earlier we had giant snowflakes, so but uh, that's the weather is doing fine. To, uh, as far as the company, we're, we're busy as all get out this time of year. Awesome, awesome.
1: Um, so you know, as Don mentioned, PTC's been in business for about 120 years. You've been involved for what, about 45 of them? How did you get involved?
2: 45 years and four months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. about right. Uh, how I get involved? I, of high school, I worked at a local tile company and went to school at night to get my police science degree and uh, walked into the firehouse one night. I was complaining how much I hate it, making bathroom tile, pushing bathroom tile, cleaning bathroom tile. It was just this major factory, you know, it was over 1,800 employees and, uh, one of the guys said, well, you ought to come work where I do. And I said, well, you you make pinball machines. He goes, no, I build ski ball machines. And I said, well, what can I do? He said, "I oh, they got a guy just retired in the roller coaster department. They're going to be looking for somebody. So I went over the next day, applied for a job, or took the application and took it back the following day. They said, well, you know, we're going to look through them and we'll give you a call. I went back the next week and said, I'm still interested. They said, "Well, we will give you a call once we go through them." Went back the third week, and they said, "You just don't get that. We'll call you. Don't come see us." Kind of thing. I went back five weeks in a row. The sixth week, I was like, "God, I when I'm going home." So instead of stopping, as I got home to my apartment, I could hear the phone ringing, and I ran in. I had stood my motorcycle home, and I want to grab the phone. I said, hang on a second, please, and put the phone down, took my helmet off, and the voice on the other end said, Tom, it's uh, Mike Flanagan, they phone pulling off your bag, and When can you start? <laughs> and I felt horrible, and I, you know, but I, I had to take the helmet off to talk on the phone. So, uh, but Anyway, so that's how it started. I, uh, I went in the next day, told my boss, my shop foreman, uh, that I was going to... Uh, Friday be my last day, and of course he was like, "No, nope, we we want two weeks' notice, or, or you'll never get a good resume, or a, or a good review from us. And you, uh, if you put us on a resume, it'll be terrible." I was like, "Well, okay, you might notice I'll be two and you know, gone. I'll be two weeks going out." Uh, so, anyways, uh, started work the following Monday at PTC, drilling holes in floorboards for three-seat roller coasters, and then. Uh, Sixteen years I was general manager. How Sam had sold the company, uh, or sold Ski Ball off and kept the company, and I stayed on with Sam and uh, Sam High. That is, who uh, was the company had been in the High family for over seventy years. His father and grandfather were the corporate attorneys, and his his grandfather was one that did the incorporation papers in nineteen oh four. So. That was an opportunity knocking thing mom always talked about. So I said, well, all right, uh, I'll, you know, and Sam said, offered to sell me the company. I've got, got to work on that, got to make that happen. And here we are 32 years later. And, you know, and you, you know, your ch- children go to college and, and uh, you know, my favorite daughter decides to come work for me. And only on a temporary basis, because I told people that too when I first came here, I said, I'm only here till I find a better job. And she's been telling people the same thing and it's now 12 years that she's been here. So. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about that, yeah. Janine. Uh, you know, you've been around it your entire life, you know, with around PTC, the industry. Now, did you think this would be something that you were going to end up doing or was it, I'll try it and see how it goes. And, you know and like tom mentioned 12 years now you know soon becomes 45 so so just kind of talk about uh, how you got involved here and what uh, you know what what your kind of day to day thing might be
3: sure so uh the short answer to your question is no i never dreamed of working here um, i grew- <laughs> I grew up everybody would ask uh, you know park owners customers roller coaster enthusiasts as i got older are you going to go and work for dad? Are you going to take over? You know, that type of thing. And the answer was always no, I'm going to be a teacher. Uh, my aspiration was to teach kindergarten or elementary school. So I went to college, got my bachelor's degree and got a dual degree, uh, degree in Pennsylvania. So I can teach early ed, which is birth to third grade or eight years old and a second degree in elementary ed, which is K to six. So I was certified um, in that. Came out of school in Pennsylvania at an odd time in the teaching world. A lot of people that were scheduled to retire were actually holding back and not retiring. And a lot of people were tenured and contracted So it was really only sub-positions at first. So I came out of college in May of 2011, and the the office here at PTC needed some help in the filing system and catching up in paperwork, and so my dad said, you know, we need this help, and you need a job that potentially is gonna be flexible to allow you to go on interviews, she so.
2: A boss, she needed a boss that understood yes. her career goals.
3: Yes. <clears throat> so it was just like, okay, well, yeah, I'll come in and do what I've done in summers previous when, you know, in between babysitting gigs and summer jobs through high school and college. If they needed help here or there, I'd come in and help them out around the office. So started in May, and then it soon became, okay, well, you finished this task. Let's learn this. Now let's learn that. Now let's learn D. Okay, now we're going to learn H. <laughs> oh, now we're down to the other part of the alphabet. We're learning Z.
2: I keep telling her she needs to put on her, the, on her business card underneath her name.
3: I do everything that Tom doesn't want to do. <laughs> So an opportunity came up in August of 2011 where Tom needed to travel to China to see some of our customers over there. And he said, is your passport up to date? I said, yes. And he goes, you're going to come to China with me. And I looked at him like he had seven heads and said, no, I'm not there. You don't need me there. <laughs> he said, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And I said, okay, okay. and. In that, it, the idea was, well, the school year is in all these districts that I'm applying and my name's out there for sub positions, And I was doing interviews for a couple of like preschool positions, because I could be, obviously, a certified preschool teacher. And I just said, well, why don't we just pull all of that stuff and remove my candidacy and I'll go to China and... I was also put in charge that year to plan our European trade show and then the IAPA trade show. So why don't we reassess around Christmas? And then it became, well, let's reassess around summer. And then three years had gone by and it was just like, you know what, I have fallen into this and I've fallen in love with it. Uh, I do use my teaching degree at times So it comes in handy. That was uh, just a mental hurdle I had to get over for a while of just, oh my gosh, I went to school for something that I'm not doing. So there is a little bit of like mental gymnastics behind that, some guilt. But when you sit down and look at it, there are people all over the world who maybe they got a degree in business or communications and they use facets of it every day in their work, but maybe that's not specifically what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's very much, in a way, the same story as Tom. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I got a police science degree. I was a cop for uh, 11 years. Well, I also worked here because I wanted to retire at 45, but then this baby came along and Changed the plans for her mother and I, so all's good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess you kind of end up where fate takes you rather than where you want to go, and we can all agree on that. Um, so when we talk about Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters, um, yeah, obviously the layperson who's familiar with the company is going to associate you with roller coasters and wood coaster trains and so on. Uh, you also mentioned Skee-Ball, which in my opinion is the greatest theme park game out there. Love Skee-Ball. Um, but the other thing that people, I guess, know a little bit less, but some people know, is that uh, carousels. You guys made uh, eighty-seven carousels. Uh, can you tell us a story about PTC's involvement with carousels? And uh, this question is actually for both of you. Of the remaining ones of the eighty-seven, um, what are some of your favorites?
2: Uh, ones that are still authentic and not fiberglass reproduction of the horses because. The pork sold the horses off, you know. I like it. I like the original carousels. Uh, Kings Island, Kings Indian, Carowind's got uh, have them. Uh, Hershey Pork, it's a place right near us, about 20 miles away, uh, called Peddler's Village. They have PTC-59 there. Uh, but the carousel involvement with PTC, from what I was told by the chief engineer, Noli Janata who worked for the company for 50 years or so, uh, or 45 years it was. And uh, he had told me that what and how the company pretty much started was in 1902, Henry Augie was an entrepreneur in Germantown, one of the burbs of uh, Philadelphia. And he had a machine shop also. And a friend of his said, hey, can you make this part belongs to my carousel? Carousel's not running. I'm not making money on it. And summertime, it takes six months to get parts from Germany. So he ended up making a couple parts for him. And the next thing you know, other carousels. And I think it was like 20 somewhere around the city of Philadelphia. All different boroughs. And uh, he just started making parts. And then he's like, well, if I'm making parts, why don't I just start building them here? And that's how it started. They also... Philadelphia Toboggan uh, acquired uh, Densel later on. They acquired Whirlis or Oregon so they could uh, keep uh, the, the traditional band organ running. Uh, for some reason, they sold that off years later. Uh, so it just parlayed into other things. And the um, carousels, uh, you know, when people people look at them, and they see a PTC, they, you, you see the difference in designs of the horses. But PTC, from what I've been told, and by carousel enthusiasts, that it's uh, usually uh, the favorite of the group because of the style of the horses. Um, Toboggan uh, also built log plume rides, uh, dark rides, Panther cars, these little kids could drive the cars and because um, again, what I was told by Sam High was when they built a roller coaster, the property was too valuable just to have one ride on it. So they used to design it to put these little panther cars, and the, the little kids, you know, they in a lot of parts like Kenobles, they have a train that runs through around their, some of their coasters. So it's valuable property, property and. Uh, why not make it work for a couple different rides? But and and Toboggan ended up buying Ski Ball and kind of dally with it in the early 50s, and then, and then in the 60s it kind of took off. And in the late 60s, when I came here in the 70s, they couldn't keep up with production on it, and uh, uh, it was just amazing how how much they've uh, they did, and they were able to get out the door. Uh, so yeah, over the years. You know, toboggan uh, diversified itself, did other, other things than just uh, roller coasters. Um, we primarily do roller coaster cars, but we do support any ride that's out there, any of you the know, crazy daisy rides or the cups and saucers, some people call it. Uh, we still support the making parts for them. We've got over 7,000 drawings that uh, took 15 years to digitize. Uh, so that way we can help a park if they, they they're like, hey, we we can't find this part. We don't know what it is, We just know where it broke off the carousel, and uh, if we can help them out. Or any of the rides, uh, all the better for the park. And that's what we're in for, mainly for the safety, but also for the enjoyment of seeing people enjoy rides. What do you get add? I can bather on all day
0: long. Yeah, you know, PTC no longer designs, uh, you know, roller coasters from scratch, but you look at your social media channels, uh, you got a lot going on in the shop. Uh, Talk about the different projects uh, that you do uh, today as a full-service company.
2: You want to read them all? We're we're sitting in a conference room, and we look to our left, which right now we've got all the, all the winter overhauls we're doing for ports. And we're doing one new build uh, for brand new trains for a port, but they don't want them till September, so uh, that's, it's very nice that we're that busy, and we can't tell you who the port is. They're, they haven't released the information to the public, but so, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead.
3: Uh, Yeah, so, in-house this year, we have Wild Waves, Timberhawk, Six Flags Over Georgia, with The Great American Scream Machine. Worlds of Fun, Timberwolf, Six Flags America Roar, Six Flags America Wild One, Dorney Park, Thunderhawk, Cedar Point, Blue Streak, Adventureland, Outlaw, Funtown, Splashtown, Excalibur, Idlewild and Soak Zone, The Roller Coaster, Kennywood, One Train from Racer, And then Boardwalk, the Boardwalk Bullet. And then we have over uh, 50 plus mechanisms that parks are sending back to us to overhaul for them. So those are your safety mechanisms for the lap bars. It's another service we can provide uh, instead of an entire overhaul, if you just have parts of your train that maybe your maintenance staff can't focus on, you can also send those back to us. So very busy. And then as Tom said, uh, late spring through the summer, we'll be producing Mm -hmm. some brand new trains. Eventually we'll be announced. (laughs)
1: Well, that's really cool. I mean, so essentially, um, you know, a lot of people seem to be aware of the fact that you guys rehab trains and stuff and some parks do it themselves, but a lot of them go back to the original manufacturer to, to have them rehab. So it's interesting that you're still building new trains Obviously, you know, if you're involved in this uh the coaster community and stuff you you know examples of the past couple of years where new p t c trains have added to the rolling stock, so um that's really cool um so you know speaking of the coaster community, let's talk about this um always a big debate it'll probably never be settled steel or wood, so you guys are on the wood coaster side professionally. What are your thoughts on steel coasters versus wood coasters? Which are your personal favorites, and why?
2: Well, I used to. to Sorry. <clears throat> when I was 11 years old, my dad took my sister and my brother and I to Dorney Park. Now we grew up in—he uh, was a cop in Cheltenham—so we grew up in the shadow of Willow Will- Will Grove Park and we went there every year for the police fireman's banquet. In fact, behind us, Janine scoots a little bit out to the side. This is one of the original cars from Willie Road Park. Uh, there's another original car at Kings Island, which I gave a whole speech about, I uh, not speech, but uh, somebody asked me about it, and I gave him a history and how it ended up from our loading dock to Kings Island. And the third one was, went to Charlie Canfield at it. Uh, uh, San Diego, or uh, Santa Cruz, and then Charlie turned around and donated to the Coaster Museum, and when they got it, they were, Charlie said, I don't know where I got it, I picked it up someplace, and, and I, they put a picture of it and I was able to solve their mystery. But um, hmm. So I was 11, we rode the coaster, my sister and I clunked heads, got off the coaster, she was crying, I apparently have a harder head, And uh, my dad yelled at me and smacked me in the back of the head for my sister getting hurt. So I thought, you know, that Pavlov thing, I'm not riding that roller coaster anymore because I get smacked around. So at 11 years old, I didn't ride a roller coaster again until I was 22, uh, mainly because I was working here. And uh, ironically, Sam sent me to Dorney Park to troubleshoot something they were doing. And so, of course, they're like, well, get in, take it for a ride, you'll see what it's like all righty, and so I figured nobody's going to slap me, but my favorite coaster, (laughs) and it's not because Don's sitting here, I've said it many times in live uh, tape, uh, in interviews, in magazines, the Beast, the Beast has absolutely been my favorite since the day I went out there to, uh, Actually, troubleshoot it then, you know, right before it opened. And uh, I ended up taking him for a ride with one of the maintenance guys, Charlie, Charlie White was his name. Uh, and, he, and he said, You didn't ride this? I know. Well, get in, we'll go for a ride. And it was right after lunch. And unfortunately, one of the masons who was doing something inside the, the circle as you come out around the beast and then you go start for the lift hill he took a big bag of cement and laid it across the track and then walked away to go get another one and as we came around the corner charlie looked at me and just yelled at me close your eyes shut your mouth and boom we hit this bag of cement and when we came back everybody was laughing because we had all over us and they said we could see where you were going it was like you know somebody run right through the karahari desert in in, uh, the conch trail leaving or from the cement going around but to me, it was just like this is an amazing, absolutely amazing, fun ride, and um, the people at Kings Island, the maintenance staff, and and for what I remember, some of the office people there, they, they were really great. And I just remember my boss telling me, "Well, if you got time, why don't you spend a couple of days and just be there, and let them know that you know we care about them." And I, so I spent a couple more days there and uh, uh, just. Never, met, never pictured myself being in the amusement industry because uh, I always thought, you know, well, they, somebody pours water on them and they grow and uh, that's how you get an amusement park. Never thought that there was people behind it and uh, they built things and now going to an IAPA show, you <laughs> know, 1,100 exhibitors and everything imaginable. So, I, right, mm-hmm. I'll stop you turn.
3: I'm definitely partial to Wood Coasters. Uh, It's how Coasters got their starts, you know, the bread and butter. I don't think Steel Coasters would exist without the Wood Coaster. So it's a little easier than chicken and the egg. (laughs) I thought of something.
2: I thought of something else. I had the privilege of meeting John Allen six times He would come to the shop, and he would walk around, and everybody would go over and talk to him as he walked through the building. And I got introduced to him. And I guess about the third or fourth time he was there, I had picked up a book. It was called uh, Funtown USA, I believe it was, something like that. And it had every amusement park, what the good time to go to, and this and that. But they had interviews. And they had an interview, and I'm reading through this book when I it's John Allen. This is the guy that comes in and talks. And, you know, anybody asked me how, you know, just like, hey, how you doing, kid? You're building them good and make them strong. And, and I thought, okay, it's probably some old guy who used to work here, but didn't realize who he was until probably this, I read that article. So the next time he came in, I asked him, I said, you said in the article, they asked you about steel roller coasters, and you said, you didn't like them because you don't know anybody small enough to crawl through the tubes to check the wells. And he said, "No, that's not what I said." And I'm thinking, "I know what I read." And he goes, "I said I don't know any son that's small enough to walk through the tubes to check the wells." <laughs> I, I lip synced what he said, but he said it verbatim, and I just stood there and went, "Oh, that's probably why they said it that way in the book, then." You know. Uh, But from that point on, you know, I think the first steel coaster I ever rode was a super-duper-luber at Hershey Park. And uh, they're nice, but it doesn't give me the same feeling riding clickety-clack down the track, you know, the noise going up the lift hill, (laughs) wind blowing your hair, uh, your ears. So... I prefer wood coasters
1: and not because I just worked here, but yeah, yeah it's funny. Uh, both of those stories, uh, Tom, I'm sure you don't remember because I'm just some random dude, but the first time I met you was at uh, some event at King's Island. This was during Paramounts. This would have been 2005 or earlier. And I remember you telling the cement story about the beast. And uh, oh. when I, I came up to talk to you afterward, and I remember asking you if you met John Allen and you told me the story about I don't know a person that's uh, something or another small enough to climb inside to check the weld. So yeah. that's that's <laughs> funny that you, you really sparked a, you know, 20 year old memory for me with that.
2: <laughs> See, th- this is why I'm a perpetual Boy Scout. I can't lie. I, I just so now I'm re- repeating the same story back to you. And. Got to be true. That making making look. I Don't make this. My life's too weird for color TV and I don't make this stuff up. It just happens to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm very much on the wood coaster uh, over steel myself. That's what I, you know, started out with grew up with was the wood coasters. There's nothing like it. But, um, you know, riding a roller coaster, very thrilling. Uh, But when you're involved and you do what you do, uh, there's another thrill when you see people. You know, you watch them ride one of the coasters that uh you know maybe uh, PTC designed or they're using your trains. Uh what's that like? How kind of talk about that kind of thrill?
2: The most amazing thing I ever saw, and uh I'm not lying about this. First time I went to Japan for the opening of the Nagashima Spotland coaster, I just You know, walking around with my interpreter, uh, because of my size and because she was kind of petite, um, I'm 6'3", and broad-shouldered, and everybody, when we walked up onto the the platform, everybody thought I was some American football player, or Godzilla, (laughs) one or the other. uh, uh, I have videotape that I took... People getting off that coaster on the opening day. I'm standing there, and I just want to get their expressions. And I have a woman who crawled, got out of the coaster car, and crawled across the floor on her hands and knees in this hysterical crying, laughing. And I was videotaping her, and she went past me. I just stopped and here "Okay." And then somebody like a all is laughter and I turn around and look. Here she had wet her pants. Completely, from the, from the ride, and I, I, you know, you see stuff like that. It it, it just it's it's funny. Uh, I like standing at the exit of a roller coaster if if it's something that uh, we're involved in a new project or even old ones. Um, Knobels is a great one. We go up there once a year or so. Janine goes up a lot more. Her and her husband they just love the, all the food. <laughs> yeah. and I don't know how the states so are skinny. But I I'd still get just excitement or just, you know, a feel good feeling that watching people get off. Love to see people get off a ride and go, that was fun. That was great. Let's go get back in line again. And that's what you wanna hear. You don't want people getting off your you know, your ten or twenty million dollar ride and going, I ain't ever getting back on anything like that again. You know, it's it's like, oh crap. I I would I haven't seen that experience. All I've seen is, like I said, it was a one Japanese woman who was just laughing and crying hysterically at the same time, and uh, and unfortunately, (laughs) wet her pants for the day. But uh, yeah, I just I like that. Like I like knowing that people like what something you've done, and and. I have a desk, I have an office, but I hate sitting at that desk in office all day long or going through paperwork and stuff. My love is out in the shop. I go, I get out there and you know, I walk around. I can't admit it to the workman's comp company that I actually build anything anymore. Uh, but that's where I, I started, and that's what I love doing, is just putting stuff together and building stuff. And, uh, and I made her do it, too.
1: <laughs> but but workers' comp's a lot to know about her doing it, though, right?
3: Yeah, mostly clerical, but if they need some extra hands, I just, they I still don't know if this doing.
1: podcast is admissible in court. That's why I'm yeah. <laughs> Okay.
2: All right. Well, well, the one, well continuing. One thing, when you start, I say, you're going to go to trade shows. You're going to meet customers. You've got to know what you're doing or what you're selling or what you're uh, troubleshooting for them. So she comes in with her, you know, her work jeans and her work boots. And uh, we have spent a lot of time working side by side. And, and it's kind of fun sometimes because the two of us will go out there and we'll, you know, we'll start working on setting wheels or doing stuff. And if somebody else is working, I can see it. They, you know, they're, they're constantly looking up and looking up, and they're whispering each other. And I was told, but like, it's like, hey, they, they two move really fast, and they, they, it's hard to keep up with them. So it's a nice <laughs> feeling, but uh, that's dynamic another. duo. Anyway,
1: well, uh, speaking of your employees, um, you know, PTC has, uh, you know, in the history of the company, given the world 147 roller coasters. Uh, and you know every employee is important, but some of the most legendary ones have um have come through the company. Uh, Johnny Miller, John Zalar, Herbert Schmeck, and perhaps the greatest one of them all, John Allen. Um, talk about their legacy within the industry, and more particularly within your company. Just knowing that some of the most well-known names amongst uh the industry have had PTC on their paycheck.
2: The unfortunate thing is that I've seen maybe a handful of employees catch on and realize this is not an everyday uh, you know, punch-em-out kind of a place, a pill factory or something. This has a legacy to it. And John Allen and Irv Schmeck uh, and Ollie Chinata, uh, the miller, uh, they're all a legacy part of the company. Um, but th- it's sad that guys I worked with, they just didn't care. It was just come to work, paycheck, go home, and repeat the following week. And me, I was, you know, golly, when the movie Roller Coaster came out, I can remember just sitting in the theater and waiting for it to run a second time. Uh, just because I saw our stuff, and, uh, and 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 then reading articles, and then getting involved more with IAPA, even when Sam owned the company, and we would go to shows, I started catching on. When people read my name bags, they're like, "Oh, you're from Philadelphia, Yeah, we love you know we did we got this, and we did that, and you guys, so I'm like, oh, this is great. So I I realized it early start of the company that this is something special and not everybody sees it that way. They see it just as a job. We've got a great group of employees in here. Uh, they're, they're really dedicated to the work and I really can't say, I mean they all know what goes on because you know, I'm I'm constantly coming up with something that you know, we have our monthly safety meetings, and I'm like, hey, look, you know, here's a bunch of magazines that they mentioned the company in an article again, here. or here's another video I you know, we found that has to do with the company, and uh, they get it. They, they, this we have a good group, and they they get what goes on here. Um, so it, it's sad that in 45 years, I can only think of maybe a handful of guys that uh, worked here that really understood what the history was or legacy of this company. And uh, I, the, the, the day after I bought it, actually the day of, when I signed all the paperwork, I was driving back from, uh, from the attorney's office and all I could think of was, you know, I, could, I hope I'm not living in a shopping cart next week. And thirty-two years later, you know, and having Janine here uh, every day, I come in. It's Father's Day for me. I get to see her. She's always perky, and you know, it, it's nice that she's got an interest in this now. Because um, I'm constantly getting asked, you know, to, uh, "I didn't start here with this. This just happened." So eventually, there's going to come a point where. Uh, she's gonna take over. Either I'm gonna—I'll be dead, and she takes gets everything, uh, or she's gonna decide herself if she wants to take over and keep it going. Because I wasn't about to let it go and it in a uh, handbasket in my my tenure here. So that's my point. Get I'm gonna.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's
3: it's interesting that you bring this question up today because um we here at ptci really pride ourselves on the illustrious and rich history that this company has uh it's not lost on tom or i Uh, how other coaster company or amusement companies came to develop from inspiration at PTC or even working at PTC. Um, just to plug another group that's out there, Coasters 101 published an article a couple years ago about a family tree that connects the dots of prominent roller coaster manufacturers and how they're connected to our history. and so yeah, I mean, they may be competitors, but they're also friends because we're all in this together. And the fact that some of them even you know, worked for us, with us in their time before they developed to what they are, we'll always have that. Um, but it's also funny that you asked this today because just a couple hours ago, one of our employees was standing in the door jam of my office asking me a question about a park and, I gave her the answer right away. And she writes it down and then looks at me and goes, how much did you study before you came to work here? Or do you just know these things? And I said, I was like, the answer that I just gave you, I can't tell you why I know that. I think I've just known it since I was maybe 10 years old because I grew up in the industry and knowing what my dad did for a living. But there's plenty of other studying that had to happen and is still constantly happening here.
2: When did you first realize that I wasn't normal?
3: What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, normal?
1: <laughs> 30-something years ago, you realized that, I'm guessing? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was... Uh,
2: or a normal job. That's what it happened.
3: Right, right. So I knew, I knew that my dad worked at in most layman's terms a roller coaster factory but like that sounds so silly when you say it and we really don't like the word factory around here that's too industrial and mechanical um and i also knew that you were a police officer but that that had ended before i went to elementary school but it was probably in like fourth or fifth grade where it really hit me that my dad's job was highly unique because you are getting to that developmental stage where you have more awareness about the world and learning and maybe field trips or parents coming in and talking about their jobs. Like, oh, you know, Mr. Smith is gonna come in today and tell us about being a veterinarian and Mrs. Uh, you know, Tangerine is going to come in and tell us about being a grocer. So it gets to the point where it's like, okay, Janine, how about your dad? Let's bring him in. And he comes in it's like, well, we manufacture wooden roller coasters. And all the kids go, oh, wow, that sounds pretty cool. I build connects roller coasters. I think I want to do that when I grow up. So...
2: One, one of the most, like I'd say, one of the proud, proud moments with Janine, then there's hundreds and thousands of them. Um, I walked in, I went to pick her up at school one day, and I, I came in behind her, and I could hear her talk, just sitting there, and I could hear other girls at her table looking at her and going, you've been to Disney World, Disneyland? Tokyo Disneyland, Paris, Paris Disneyland, and she was in sixth grade at the time. And I'm walking up, and I'm thinking, oh, she better not be sitting there bragging about this because I can't stand that. But somebody and I come walking up behind her, and she's like, "Oh yeah, don't your parents take you there?" And she goes, "It's my dad's job to go to these places." And I was like, "Oh okay, she's not sitting there going," <laughs> and you know, and. The girls were just dumbfounded that she had been to all these parts. Plus, when we graduated high school, she'd been to 15 countries, 36 states. And and it's all because either we went skiing there or it was like, hey, I gotta go to Barcelona for an APA meeting in September. You're coming out of school. She'd go to school for two days of the new year and I'm taking her to Spain because it's an educational situation.
1: Of course. Yeah. Educational, of course. Right. <laughs> oh,
3: wait, you do trip reports? Yeah, exactly. Huh.
1: You got, you learn the culture, you ate the food, you ro- rode their wooden roller coasters. I,
2: I, I think that's a tax write off if I've ever seen one. <laughs> one of the funniest things were in Spain, they don't have dinner till eight till nine, 10 o'clock at night. So, everybody from IAPA, you know, I remember seeing Roy Gillian just sitting there at a the dinner table, going like, because it's late and everybody's hungry, and so they, you know, we go to different parks and have dinner there, and uh, we're coming back late, and we're coming through Barcelona, back to the hotel, and everybody's like, oh, let's get back, let's get back, we're tired, it's, you know, it's eleven thirty at night, and Janine makes a mention. she says, Said to her mother, she says, mom, look at all those ladies. They're all standing on the corners everywhere we go. And everybody in the bus got real quiet. And and I hear her mother just say, oh, yeah, I I guess they're just hanging around. And she says out loud, well, I guess they're just waiting for their moms to come (laughs) pick them up. Yeah. Cultures, right?
3: connected a few years later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Tom, Janine, uh, Ryan and I, we attended the IAPA Expo in November in Orlando. We saw lots of visitors to your booth uh, throughout the week, and it's included members of the American Coaster Enthusiast. And Tom, through the years, we've, you know, I've been at events uh, for the American Coaster Enthusiast, including the annual No Coaster Con in Chicago, and you've been one of the presenters there. Uh, but talk about that relationship that you and PTC have with this club.
2: They're a bunch of lunatics. (laughs) They're crazy. But I like they're crazy. They like coasters. They love amusement parks. And a lot of them, they had a bad rap for quite a while. But they've become quite a force in the industry with uh, what they've been doing. uh, And as far as uh, my connection with them, I found out about them in seventy nine um uh, I was given an application to join I, I just never got around to it and i we used to get phone calls and letters and I would tell sam hi I said hey they, this roller coaster group they want you to come speak and he's like, "Oh, I'm busy that weekend. I got my antique car to go event to go to, and he said basically they want me to fly or you know, pay my own hotel and everything else. And uh, you know, and they're just a bunch of people that you know, they roller coaster crazy people. And he says, I don't know why, but I don't what they want to hear from me. So once I bought the company and I got a call I got a call uh, from Ray Uberoff, who was president at the time, and he lived up in Allentown, so he came down for a visit. And we walked around and talked, and I was like, now I'm really intrigued. So, you know, I jokingly told him, you know, what Groucho March used to say was, I'd never belonged to an organization that had me as a member. But uh, but I just never got around to, to, to joining. And then, next thing you know, uh, 25, 30 years go by, I help Ace out any way I can. We've been storing vehicles for him, um, you know, to, just, I think is a great organization, and and I'm I'm not a tushy kisser, uh, so I just like hanging out with them. They they're really interesting people. Whereas there are some lunatics in there that you gotta kind of keep an eye on. But uh, they're a good bunch. But you know, there's there's a judge, there's doctors, a coroner, there's all sorts of business people, and you you get talking with them, truck drivers, with. You know, people work in factories, they just, they love roller coasters, and that's what they want to do. They want to ride, and they take their vacations and plan to ride roller coasters. So any chance we get that somebody, and I've told a hundred times, come to PTC, it's free parking, and you know, give us a heads up, and you know, we'll do a tour, give you a, a walk around, and you know, spend some time with you, and... Uh, it's an open door kind of a thing, uh, but I do like to have that heads up phone call. For, I don't want 15 people knocking at the door and uh, expecting to get a tour. You know, I may not be here today that, but uh, you know, I just you know, they're really an interesting bunch, and they're not just the American coaster. There's the European coaster club, and then there's the British roller coaster club. there's All these different facets and different people around the world that are involved. Uh, It's just a fun bunch. So go ahead, you take
3: it. Well, we also understand, you know, the enthusiast culture of the amusement industry. They really, some of them have a really strong voice and we appreciate fans of our coasters and you know they'll go to bat for us. I mean we don't need anybody to chain themselves to a ride if they say they're gonna take it down. But you know, if someone's you know at an ACE event and maybe a park saying like, oh well we're not sure if we're gonna keep our carousel or maybe get a new coaster, clear that land Oh, we know a lot of ACE members who have an attachment to the history of our company and say, whoa, 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 what are you thinking? Like future generations deserve to know and ride that ride. So I think that they are a very fun bunch, unique, I ended up marrying one, never thought that was gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, ACE holds a special place in both of our hearts. Uh, We, Tom, created the Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters, Inc. Manufacturers Award for a deserving ACE member. And every year that's awarded at CoasterCon. Uh, It's a person nominated by their peers through ACE about what they are doing within ACE's to half and how they're preserving roller coasters and history and especially wooden coasters. And uh, Tom reviews all of the nominations and then from there makes a decision. And we make a
2: decision well, now.
3: Yeah, we. <laughs> um, but we had the opportunity in 2021 when CoasterCon was here in Pennsylvania. Originally it was supposed to be 2020, but owing to COVID, it was pushed to 2021. Uh, So the Coaster Pond was at Hershey Park, Dutch Wonderland, Thorney Park, and Knobles. But it's perfect because in all of those travels and traversings, you're coming right into our area. So as Tom mentioned, we do do tours, and on that day in June, (laughs) we gave a tour to 564 acers. (laughs) So that was was a lot of fun.
2: and then, uh, and we we fed them lunch. And, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> and and the thing of it was is, um, the other thing we we did uh, like a, a, a bag that had different things in it that you know pop socket for your phone, uh, but there was a t shirt in it, and we had gotten their sizes. They had when they signed up, they had to have leave their t shirt size. so. They got t shirts and they're pale blue and they have our logo on the back and the front it says
3: uh, 2021 tour.
2: Yeah, well, it to tour for Philadelphia Boggins. And I told everybody, you wear that shirt. If I see you in the park, I will stop you or come up to me wearing a shirt, give me your name and address. You will receive something. And just this past Two weeks ago, when we were in, out at Chicago CoasterCon, there were two people that had their shirts. One, and uh, we've uh, sent them a very nice
3: Thank gift.
2: You. Thank you,
3: gift.
2: Oh, that's, that's I like cool.
3: to call it the, the PTC shirt <clears throat> in the wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. A nice looking shirt.
3: Oh yeah, it's so comfy. Actually, this summer uh, at a couple Ace events, they were spotted and. It's a great lightweight shirt. it's not heavy so it's great for the summer season and coaster riding. but all in all yeah Aces and the coaster enthusiast community as a whole. Ace is obviously the largest uh, club throughout the world but you know there's also those little clubs that deserve recognition and they come calling also looking for tours uh, or you know their members and they live in Minnesota and they're passing through yeah. Welcome.
2: That, and one of the most amazing things about Ace was three guys who just happened to be riding the racer in Kings Dominion. Just three guys, and they met each other on the coaster, started talking, and said, you know, they ought to have a club. And the three of them started the club. You know, Paul Greenfield, uh, Richard Munch, and Roy is three guys who just Dang, what the heck we should start a club and there they are 6,000 members later you know going into 44 years 45 years yeah 45.
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely um, so let me uh, this is a question that's directed towards Janine you mentioned that you uh, that you've got a relationship with with American coaster Enthusiast, aside from being married to one, of course, but um, yeah, you, you you enjoyed visiting parks and stuff. Do you ever attend like Ace events, enthusiast events, as just a regular like everyday person, or do you typically uh, <laughs> attend as somebody just from ETC? <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Uh, am I a regular,
2: everyday
3: coaster enthusiast? Absolutely, but I am always representing the company. So you will not find me doing something that I shouldn't be doing. One, because that's not my personality. I'm a very hardcore rule follower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Mike, my husband, he is the Eastern Pennsylvania regional rep for ACE. So I attend all of his events, I help him with all of his events. And so does Tom (laughs) and we'll be, you know, we'll plug East Coaster right now. That's two weeks away. Uh, so Tom and I will be volunteering for him, but then we'll also be presenting to close out the show at the end of the night. Um, but yeah, I mean sometimes because I also love theme parks and roller coasters, sometimes I get to go to a park that isn't a customer of ours and I can be a little more of a regular <laughs> person, but it is funny that we may be in a park that they're not a customer of ours, but somehow I always end up finding somebody because you know them through the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's a nice, you know, oh, hey, how are you doing? And we're just here enjoying the park for the day. Great to see you. And uh, I, ne- I never... It's just something I guess that was instilled in me or I just have no expectation. I I never go to a park looking for something or trying to sell something either. Mm -hmm. Especially uh, with Eastern PA, a lot of them are our customers. And so I'm there to attend the ACE event, but if they need something, I'm also there with my phone Writing a note, jotting it down, saying, "Okay, we'll look into this Monday." But I'm not up there on the platform going, "Hmm, you know, those trains are looking a little old. It might be time for something new." That's just—that's not how we roll.
2: <laughs> you know, and the other thing is, you know, we mentioned IAP and we mentioned ACE, but Janine and I are also involved with, like, with the PAPA Pennsylvania Youth Support Attractions. Uh, We belong to the Ohio Greater Coaster Club. Uh, We're part of the uh, New England uh, Association, association, uh, Amusement Association. Uh, Actually, we're both on the board for PAPA. Uh, And when we go to these things, I don't try to sell anything. I'm not there to make a sale. I'm there to see some friends that I only see maybe once or twice a year. And it's, you know, it's like, relax, you know, just sit and talk uh, about anything. Uh, but I'm not there to try to sell them something. Uh, they're there for the same reason, too. They're there to see what's going on in the industry, to uh, see what's going on with the legislator, what kind of tax they're going to try to throw in on the music park? Just, you know, we're going to we're going to tax that hot dog bar, $10 extra per person, and, you know, Whatever the, you know, the state tries to come up with to make the money, they take it out on the parks and got to turn, turn it around on the on patrons. But no, we're not there to solve. We're there because we volunteer for these organizations, that, especially the PAPA, um, and it, you know, it's been been in that for a long time. Uh, one, I think uh Herb Schmeck was one of the founding members of it. And uh, it, it's just you know, if we go to a park uh, like I said look at look at the size of me compared to her and, and people say I have a very distinctive voice so if I'm talking to somebody and they're, somebody's within your side, I thought I recognized your so, but one time she, uh, Girl Scouts they had a Girl Scout trip to Kenobos and everybody's like Oh, we're going to Kenobles, and they needed volunteer adults to drive and take the kids up. So we went up with her girlfriend and uh, her her dad, who was also uh, in one of the volunteer fire departments, they belong. And we got up there, and I didn't tell Kenobles I was coming, and they were in the midst of building the Twister or Mister Twister. And um, anyway, we're we're walking around the park, and i uh, and I'm not like sunglasses and hat or anything. I'm just just walking around. And the next thing I knew, here's Tom. <laughs> it's Buddy Canoval chasing me down. I'm like, hey, how you doing? He says, Oh, I didn't know you were here. And why I'm like, well, here with the Girl Scouts today. He goes, hey, Tom Remy's in the park. Dick, you want to see Tom? You and I'm like, Oh, okay, guys. you just lost me for the day. I'm going to be hanging around with Dick Canoval a little bit. And and as it ended up. Um, her girlfriend's father, John, um, he came along with me, and, and we went over to Twister. And next thing you know, Jim Martini's walking us, and we're standing at the top of this coast. We're looking at the park. Well, everybody's hammering things and they're building it, and we were going for probably about three, four hours. We came back, a couple of the moms were like, "Where are you guys been?" <laughs> Trying to keep count of these little Indians, but. That's part of the the thing, is just went there for the day, you get recognized, and you all right, how can I, you know, oh, we want to show you something. All right, how can I help you? I'm not going to turn and walk away from something, but I'm not there to ask for anything either. And and that's probably one of our biggest policies here, is I don't even try to give something to me because we're buying steel or aluminum from you, I don't go for that, so... Sorry, I went off the rails in that one.
0: Didn't <laughs> yeah, Tom, you mentioned, uh, you know, as long as I let you know in advance that, uh, you know, you do welcome uh, members of ACE that to, to kind of uh, visit the facility and you give them a tour. But talk about how it's grown over, say, the past 20, 25 years, you know, especially since you relocated to Hatfield.
2: Well, we went from working out of a, a building Uh, that was uh, 26,000 square feet uh, that we had to do everything, and it wasn't easy, and it was a lot of time lost material handling. You know, you gotta move 10 skids or something just to get uh, something off the rack, that that takes time. So we ended up buying a building that's uh, 36,000 square feet, and uh, we used 36,000 of it, uh, and it's laid out. And it's uh, uh, marked aisleways and marked, especially you know, like OSHA requires a, a dedicated forklift aisle. And everybody knows that's what it is. It's, uh, it's not the yellow brick road to skip up and down, even though you have one person that does that. So she uh, is just a Wizard of Oz fan. Uh, you know, <laughs> Who isn't? It's a place. It Laid all the machinery out and made it much more easier to work you know, for guys and not have to crawl over something to get to a, a machine or have to worry about sliding a piece of steel down too far that you're going to poke another machine. And so it set out pretty good uh, between the saw shop, machine shop, well, yeah, the assembly area is wide open and uh, it's, it's a lot easier to work in and a lot easier to material when we do get coaster cars in or when we finish them up we can start setting them aside and stack them We got plenty of room to do that so uh, it's just a world of difference from you know going from you know, a Volkswagen to a Cadillac you know, if you want to look at it that way yeah.
1: absolutely I'm glad you were able to, to expand like that that's awesome that's definitely a, a positive sign in the right direction um, so let's kick it back a, a little bit uh, a little bit old school. Um, PTC trains for the longest time up until the eighties ish all had buzz bars. Uh, and then most nowadays have been converted to individual lap bars. Uh, but some still have buzz bars. Can you talk about that? And, uh, the decision to switch that, uh, whether that was your decision or if it was the individual parks decision and why some still operate on buzz bars.
2: It was six flags. They, they flat out said they wanted to have individual lap bars for the uh, Texas Giant. And uh, then they also wanted other parts to switch over uh, within their system. And they said, we need to develop something that's going to be an individual lap bar. So it took took a little time, but we got it done. And uh, we got it done for the Texas Giant. Mainly, that was pretty much the first one that that got them. Um, So if a park comes to us and says hey we got an idea for something we try to look we try our best with a lot of things to try to accommodate uh, the parks but there are times where it just no we can't do that I'm really be concerned about the safety of other riders if we do something like that so we have to you know bow out gracefully on it but but the, the lap bars came about because six Flags said we really like something to to uh, uh, put in there, and the, the goofiest thing is, is, we were trying to figure out how we could do it. And I went to a ski club meeting that night, and they uh, they were had a, a historian there, and he was showing uh, films of when skiing first started, and how people tied leather straps onto their boots so they could ski, and then they had the, the one class spring loaded snap down thing, and then this guy came along he was a doctor and he came along with these bindings uh and I can't remember the name of them, but you put you had a plate on the bottom of your boot and you put your foot in the plate on your ski, and then you reached down and you took this and it looked like kind of where I got you know not that I'm the one that felt it, but I showed it to Sam the next day and look at this the way this thing comes up and around behind your calf, and it locks your boot binding in there. So we got to be able to come up with some sort of an individual lab bar. They can do it with skis and make it that small. So it kind of started that way, and then we got an engineer involved, and I told him my lunatic idea, dick and, and how it all developed about. And, uh, originally, they were all done with uh, solenoids and electronics, which I believe that Kings Island still has. And... Uh, But now we we have them, you know, uh, they're individual. They have uh, uh, a pedal release in the front if the park wants it, or they have a plunger release. The pedal release we refer to as the chicken pedal. Because if somebody gets in the coaster and they decide they don't want to go and they want to out and tell the station that they don't have to unlock 24 lab bars, they don't have to unlock six or four, depending on how how big the car is, uh, they just going to unlock that car and then they just got to relock the other uh, three or five. Um, so it's kind of a chicken pedal, but a lot of ports now would like them. So, uh, yeah, so it's developed into a mechanical release and uh, it's been working out pretty good. So we have a patent on it uh, along with our ADA device that we got a patent on. And we got a patent on our single seat 360 car. So very proud, very happy about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Janine, you know, you've got so many different things coming in and out of the shop. Uh, How do you keep track of all of that?
3: (laughs) So project management, uh, we have a very skilled general manager who. uh, can put together the schedule of how everything needs to move from each area of the shop. Um, He learned from Tom, so (laughs) he does a very good job with that. But it is key to be organized. So if anybody comes for a tour on any given day, they will find our shop very organized and very clean. (laughs) So that is a huge factor of it. It's good housekeeping. And when we hire new people into the shop, that's one of our interview questions is, can you stay organized? Can you work on multiple projects and keep organized? Um, We have a very easy system, every job is color coded. So as it comes in off the truck, from that point on all of its paperwork and its paper trail is color coded, all of its project time and management is color coded to that specific job. So that's very helpful. Um, But also just the years of experience with how long we've been doing this is Knowing how to schedule and move things about who comes in first isn't always the first person out, it just depends on when contracts are signed and when parts need their product back. So, we strive to please our customers. And you know, one example would be a part came in in November, but they're going to open in late March, early April. So they need their product back pretty quickly. Whereas, you know, we had a part come in just post Labor Day in September, but they don't need it back until April. So you can kind of play with the schedule there of who needs to do what and when.
2: One of the things that Jean touched on is, and I tell people, I don't care what day you come here, it's going to be just as clean as the last time you were here. The staff is really great about it, and we have we have a set the policy that uh, that they work four ten-hour days, and Thursday at four fifteen, just stop what you're doing, shut the machine down, clean up your chips, sweep the floor, get everything up out of the aisles, trash cans are empty, and go home for your three-day weekend. But when you come in Monday morning, you're not stepping on things, you're not tripping over. Walking around, it's organized, and the guys do a really great job about it. I, I jokingly say it's because you know my mom raised us three of us, and uh, you know Saturday morning you weren't allowed out unless you had your room dusted, wet dusted, top to bottom, and the bathroom was scrubbed out. So uh, it's it's just one of those things that uh, we've had fire our fire marshals and the uh, insurance people. Uh, And my my favorite of all was when OSHA walked in here and they walked around and they said, we've been here 20 minutes. There's no way in the world you got this place this clean and this organized in the 20 minutes we've been sitting here in your office talking. And I'm like, I don't care what day you come back, it'll always look like this. And they were just amazed. So that's my favorite. (laughs)
1: <laughs> awesome so uh next question uh this is directed at tom um so you mentioned that uh, if you if you come out to the philadelphia area you know there's a bunch of amusement parks and um you know you can come take a visit to the shop if you drop you a line ahead of time to warn you um if you fly in should you get the insurance on the rental car or not
2: oh jeez! <laughs> you knew i had to ask that <laughs> No, I didn't know you were going to ask that. Yeah, I highly suggest, especially if you're going to Italy and you're going to rent a car for a week uh, or 10 days, $340 to rent the car. And then um, Jeanine's getting a charger because her computer is starting to be weak. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so $340 to rent the car for 10 days and $800 for the stinking insurance that they sell you. But I highly suggest you get it because it doesn't matter what kind of car they gave you. You know, like, a, you know, like an uh, Alfa or, 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 or a julia It's a very nice car, or at least it was when I got it, when I turned it back in. It had a few dings and scratches and broken pieces, and missing parts. Not my fault. The streets are small there and narrow. <laughs> Totally.
0: Yeah. Well, Tom, Janine, we really appreciate you taking time out to join us on the Attractions group podcast tonight. Um, it's definitely on my bucket list uh, to, to visit the shop one day. I'll definitely let you know in advance. Uh, but where can our listeners find you on social media?
2: Uh, Janine just walked back in. and She's frantically trying to get <laughs> the extension words together. Um, where can they find us? You we're know, on Facebook, um, Philadelphia Bogging dot com, dot com. I should say, or just right, uh, or just uh, Google PTC and you know, it'll either come up Philadelphia Termite Control or uh, Philadelphia Bogging <laughs> Company.
1: Uh, well, with the termite uh, control, it sounds like you two would be on the same team since you work with wooden coasters, right?
2: Well,
0: yeah. yeah, but I got to tell you, I'm to give you, when I look at your social media posts and that, uh, you know you literally are uh, bringing your audience into your shop to see what you have going on. You guys do a great job of storytelling through your social media channels. Well,
2: don't
3: get around
2: to plug it in. To here, here. close. All right, I'll hold this, you. Know.
3: We're just okay, going to have to zoom
1: a little bit. Here we go. So for those audio listeners, we're uh, we're plugging in the computer on the, uh, the PTC end because it was about to die. But um, I can say that that's the least of the problems that like Don and I have done whole episodes where none of the audio comes through and <laughs> stuff like that. So
3: having to plug
1: in is the lesser of many, many evils. <laughs>
3: Yeah. And Good. of course, with our beautiful backdrop, I'm only so close to the outlet. So very
1: quickly, <laughs> before we let you guys go. Um, so th- this is a huge episode yeah, for people to watch on, on YouTube. Um, but you have a bunch of cool stuff behind you. Uh, you you mentioned the, the ride vehicle behind you. Uh, tell us about those golden tickets on the walls and, and everything else.
2: That's uh, one of the coaster cores from... Nickel Scenic from Willow Grove Park, and their theme was Life is a Lark at Willowgrove Park. On the wall behind us, and can pick it up and show you, we have quite a few... Boy, I'm glad I got a haircut. <laughs> uh, we have quite a few uh, you know, first place, uh, number one coaster uh, awards from uh, golden tickets. and uh, it's It's very, very Lovely to see all that and it's but it's exciting at the same time but that, uh, that, to know that that many people out there like our stuff so it's uh it's great and then, then like i said we got other stuff here too like yeah and there goes the plug again all right <laughs> anyway you can see our patents are hanging on the wall um over on this side there's a there's a Framed piece there. That it's a letter from the Pennsylvania Governor to me, uh, asking me to be on the ride in Pennsylvania Governor's Ride Safety Committee. So I sit on that board also, and uh, we inspect every every type of amusement ride that comes into the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, it's a good good bunch, and it's mainly ride safety. That's so awesome. Don, you've been awful quiet here. Where, you know, what's going on? Are you watching a hockey game? Or no, no, it? no.
0: I'm just looking at you know everything you have there on the wall and everything, and uh, you know, those are the kind of. I mean, that interests me. What you have, uh, you know, on the walls and you know, out in your shop, everything that you do interests me. I will ask this though, okay? What kind of skills do you have to have to be able to to, to work in
2: your shop? Because I have none. <laughs> sense, and mechanical ability to know what a tape measure can do, uh, I don't know. basic knowledge of wrenches, tools. Um, we have really a diversified group and some of their backgrounds have nothing to do with roller coasters, but they're good at a lot of things. and. Uh, you know, I got one guy out there. You can give him a tin can and a chicken heart, and he'll build you a wankel rotary engine out of it. He's just that kind of a guy. So, uh, yeah, it, it, we we looked and we're very specific when we or uh, picky. Well, not specific. We're picky. Uh, I'm picky when it comes to who I'm going to let work on my babies.
0: No, yeah, well, you, you lost me a tape measure.
1: You know, so
0: <laughs> I don't think I would be qualified after that point.
1: Don's worried it's going to be in metric or something. He can't handle that.
0: <laughs> no, I so Don, I can ride roller coasters. I couldn't
1: work on it. Oh uh, yeah,
2: Don, you were hanging out. in What was that? Some video store or Seven Eleven or something? And you that that. Furry beast attacked you. What was going on there?
0: Bucky's. It's uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> that's, that's uh, one of those
0: places that uh, you know, especially as you know, you drive through Richmond, Kentucky, if you're on your way to Tennessee. Uh, love that place. You wouldn't think it to look at it, but they have just the best sandwiches. Ryan can attest uh, for it. He used to laugh, scoff at me for those visits to Bucky's, and now he's a big fan. So I highly recommend it if you're driving down the road and you see a sign that says Bucky's, 686 miles away.
2: Well, yeah. j- just to re-
0: just to
1: reaffirm, um, if you ever wonder if there's a higher power that smiles upon the Cincinnati area, um, you know, we're, we're we've got Kings Island here, which is awesome. Yeah, I've got this. <laughs> but we got Kings Island here, which is awesome. But we also have Dollywood about four hours south of here in Tennessee. Halfway between here and well, Dollywood, there is a Bucky's in Rich Richmond, Kentucky. Uh, that's the one that we always stop at. But on top of that, not only is that your layover. They're building a Bucky in Sevierville, which is right off the exit to Dollywood. So you get two Buckies for the price of one now if you live in this area.
0: <laughs> now, let me mention something else. We were all down in Orlando for Ayapa, right? So after the um, expo ends, we have a day. And I'm thinking, okay, should I go to a park? Eh, well, you know, Daytona Beach has a Bucky, So I went to Daytona Beach to go to Bucky's.
3: Mm. There you go. Wow. Yes. I was... So I had to go out and visit a customer down south. So my the general manager right. and I we were in a southern state, and we were on our way back to the airport. And I said, "It's like, there's a bucky's on the way to the airport. We're going." And. He was okay, yeah. I mean, we gotta get lunch somewhere. And I said, Oh, you will love this. So um, yeah, the one that they're building near Dollywood because little plug will be attending CoasterCon um 45. Yeah, right? Definitely. Yeah, forty five. Uh in Dollywood in June. And I'm very much hoping that, that Bucky's is up and running because I plan on well, drag, not dragging, but we're going. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the
1: uh, I think they, they announced, to. Don, you keep up with this far more than I do. You probably follow them on Twitter or something. But I think they're saying June is the opening. So could go either some way. Some point
0: in June. Some point in June that it should be open. I don't know if it's going to be that early, though. Yeah. Um, but but if it is, you got to go. Like
2: I, Her and her husband are foodies. So. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Well, here's the thing. Everyone be-
1: talks about the brisket don't get the brisket, get the melt. The melt is better than the brisket because I tried the melt it last is. time and it was excellent. And then everyone said, uh, no, get the brisket. It's so much better. And I was like, well, if they're going to top this melt, it's going to be incredible. So the, my last trip down to Dollywood, um, I went ahead and I got the brisket. And I, of course, text Don like, I'm at Bucky's. And by the time I get to the car and I open up my brisket, I get a text from Don saying, you should have gotten the melt, it's better. Take a bite of the melt or the brisket. The brisket was excellent, but the melt is better
3: okay. noted okay. Good <laughs> to you know.
2: gotta
1: get them out you got to get the beaver nuggets um you know,
2: so they, just, do they, have a, they have one of those beavers at every one of the buckies or they be?
0: do but it's rare i mean it's just select times during the week when when uh when it's out and i've been for my last four times there i've been able to see bucky so it's been a, a, a big deal to me it's like seeing mickey mouse to me but uh but better it, <laughs> But, but, but better, right. Uh, not as long of a line to get yeah, to. The yeah, I mean, chamber. how long,
1: how big is uh, is Mickey Mouse's gas station? I mean, I've been to the <laughs> Speedway in Orlando, and it seems like a normal Speedway. But the Bucky's that, that that wonderful Beaver owns is as big it's honestly as big as, like, an old school, like, from the 80s Walmart. That's how big it is. <laughs>
2: 40.
3: Yeah.
0: 120 <laughs> gas pumps. Can't beat that.
3: Yeah. It's crazy. Got to do the car
0: wash. Got to do the, that's an experience in itself. You got to use the uh, restroom.
1: That sounds weird, but they have the finest restrooms in the whole gas station industry.
3: They're always clean. Yep.
1: They're as clean as your it's shop.
3: Now so, you, this is into a Bucky's podcast. But I, uh, you it, know, it, we go off on this does.
1: tangent every, every week.
3: It does
0: every, yeah, right. Every week we end up talking about Bucky's at some point. Um, so much
1: so that they should probably sponsor our podcast, don't you think, Ryan? I agree. Thanks. And their ad would look like this. Hold on. Let me switch to my camera view. Just imagine. Hey Buckys, if you're watching, doesn't that beaver look good <laughs> on the screen here?
0: And as Janine mentioned, when she's going to different places, she's seen the Bucky. So it is in the heartland of amusement parks, theme parks throughout the country. So we're a good fit for
1: them. Awesome. So Tom, Janine, do you guys have any final thoughts before we uh, send you on your wonderful PTC way?
2: Oh, I got lots of thoughts. It's, it's like a squirrel jumping from branch to branch with, with me. I can platter on all you want, but, uh, you know, you've got better things to do. At, when was it? It's quarter to nine. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you can keep right. up with us at Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters Inc. com, Facebook Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters Inc. and Instagram Philadelphia underscore Toboggan underscore And we will link to
1: all of those in the description of both the YouTube video and the podcast description. So,
3: yeah. when when do we get an Instagram? <laughs> in the fall, remember someone was posing as us, and no, I no, not
2: <laughs>
3: So there was there was someone using our name and. uh so to listeners out there, don't do that. If you're going to be a fan account, be a fan account. Don't pretend to be someone you're not, because then we'll just come after you. Right, <laughs> won't be good. So I guess you can follow us on all those fun places. And if anybody's ever in the area, Hatfield, Pennsylvania, just give us a heads up. We always do chores. Awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, Don, do you have any final thoughts?
0: No, this has been a fun episode, and, uh, you know, thanks again for your time tonight.
2: Awesome. No, thank you for asking. I'm I'm glad we, how long did it take us to get this, like six months? About six months, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You're a busy dude. That's okay. But we were planning on the spring, because you mentioned how busy you guys are during this time of year, obviously, because you're opposite of the general park season. You know, so we're lucky to have you now. We, and we appreciate you taking the time, especially because you're doing this from the office. There's got to be something kind of dirty feeling about that. You can love your job and love your company, but you're still staying after hours.
2: <laughs> no matter, you know, that when the snow plow has got to be day, if we get snow, I have a pullout couch. I, I end up spending uh, a couple of days here, depending on the. Uh, how much it is and how many times you get to go out there. So uh, I'm very picky when it comes to snow plowing. So. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, thank guys. you
1: guys well, so much again. Make sure that you're checking them out. Philadelphia Toboggan Company, Philadelphia Toboggan Coasters Incorporated. I'm sorry. I'm old school. Uh, for all <laughs> your uh, ride rehab needs. All right. Well, thanks again. We'll see you at- next week, everybody. Good night.